6 to 7 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. And uh, I'm quite confident that we will uh, get it right, uh, uh, pairing up the center of the midfield uh, with Vilat Katsande um, as a first choice. And uh, let's see. Uh, we haven't decided in the end. Uh, there are two, three options we have inside uh, the squad, and uh, we will make the decision uh, latest then on Wednesday. Yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, um, something uh, we are not used to. Um, in particular, Kaiser Chiefs, uh, in the history of uh, 50 years, uh, knowing exactly wherever you are going, uh, thousands of uh, supporters, diehard supporters, are, are following the team, supporting the team, uh, make the team work in the end of the day. And yeah, it's it's definitely something um, where we we have to to talk about and we did it already several times and we will highlight it again uh, knowing that there are huge huge uh, expectation and huge support outside uh, in the entire country and um, i know that everybody will will uh, hold the thumbs and uh, will make a pray uh, that we are going into the right direction and uh, hopefully we can uh, definitely fulfill the expectation of the huge huge crowd uh, of Kaiser Chiefs uh, not being allowed in the stadium but uh, it's it's a protocol and uh, we have to deal with Good afternoon, everybody, and uh, thank you for joining us on SAFM Spot On uh, this evening with me, Tabiso Musia, Katlako Mudiba, and Timmy T producing the show, and Sylvester Komane is in technical. Um, this clip that we've opened with is that of Kaiser Chiefs head coach Ernst Middendorp is just giving us an update on how preparations have been uh, during lockdown and ahead of the resumption of the season. And he also spoke for the first time about George Maluleka. If you missed it, here he is about George's departure. Remember, George Maluleka is now at Sundowns. Uh, he had one wanted a three-year deal. Chiefs could only offer him two and the Brazilians gave him a three-year deal. But George Maluleka did say that he was hoping to stay with Kaiser Chiefs until the end of the season, sign one of those short-term coronavirus contracts and then finish the season with Chiefs and then move on to sundowns. But as Merendop explains why they had to let him go. It's a delicate uh, situation. If it would not, if it would have been the new club would be probably, let's say, Supersport or another team not really competitive uh, with uh, Kaiser Chiefs uh, going to be champion in the end of the season. Uh, I would say it would probably be a different uh, story. But uh, here, uh, knowing that uh, uh, the new club is Mamelodi Sundowns, um, it was very clear we have to make a decision. Uh, and I think this decision uh, is uh, on one side uh, painful uh, because he was absolutely one of our core players. Uh. So that's Coach Esmirindop then explaining why they had to let George Maluleka go because obviously he's going to their rivals. They still have to play sundowns and they're competing for the title there. So it was better for everybody if George Maluleka leaves. He's not eligible to play for sundowns until next season. And uh, so we look forward to the resumption of the APSA Premiership. But we have a two-hour special tonight. If you're wondering why you're hearing my voice earlier than usual, we usually start at 7 p.m. But we have a two-hour special tonight because it is a public holiday. So shortly we'll speak to Banyana Banyana coach Desiree Ellis just about the high rate of players moving overseas or moving in and around Europe. What does this mean for the national team? What does she make of it? And obviously it has... a big part to do with last year's Women's World Cup. I think that's where m- most of the players were also uh, spotted by some of these uh, clubs. So we'll speak to Coach Desiree, find out how she's been during this lockdown. And then we are bringing back our very own Gloria Brown because we spoke to her on Friday before the Netbank Cup semi-finals. And guess what? She called both matches correctly in the Netbank Cup semis. 
Gloria Brown. So we, she deserves to come back on the show to tell us what did she see in Celtic and Mamelodi Sundowns, who they will meet in, who will meet rather in the final of the NetBank Cup. And then we'll celebrate our very own Brad Binder, historic win in MotoGP, the first South African to win a MotoGP race. He did so in stunning fashion, and you know we've spoken to him numerous times on this show, Brad Binder. So we have to highlight that again. And in the second hour of the show, we're going to talk netball because a group of former players has come together. They've written a letter to Netball South Africa asking them to address transformation issues in the sport and we'll find out from them what the issues are. We've also sent out a request to Netball South Africa asking for their response. Unfortunately, our WhatsApp voice note number is still not working today so the best you can do is to call us on 0891-104-207 or SMS us to 41391. Tabiso Musia on SAFM. And let's welcome Coach Desiree Ellis on the line. Good evening, Coach, and thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM tonight. Uh, good evening, Tabiso, and welcome to the listeners. And I hope that you all are taking good care of yourself. Thanks, Coach. We're trying. I hope you are well, too. How has this lockdown been for you? Well, uh, it's been tough. I drove down to Cape Town just before the president announced lockdown, um, just to make sure my mom's okay. She's in mm. the high-risk category. Um, other than that, um, you know, been in contact with all of the players um, on a regular basis. Um, those abroad as well, the whole group. Those in the U.S. as well, because, you know, this is um, unprecedented times and it's not something that anyone has planned for. So we're trying to keep players motivated, um, sending training programs, um, interacting with players, interacting with staff, and just making sure that everyone is okay, you know, um, going on webinars, doing causes online and also doing community projects at home is it a bit more challenging since you can't actually watch them play now you have to find other ways to keep them active or just to keep them stimulated it's very challenging though but uh, you know uh, it is what it is and you just have to make sure that you know everyone stays motivated you get to see um clips and games of players abroad which is which is really really nice um mm. at this moment and uh, like I say, we're just sending out programs, interacting with local coaches as well, um, you know, letting them know what it is we're sending the players and, you know, getting feedback from them as well. And coach, talking about Europe, what do you make of this wave of players moving overseas or in and around Europe that we've seen over the past few weeks? I think it's incredible, you know, um, in the last uh, 15 days or so, we had so many players go abroad and um, you're almost afraid to blink. You're almost afraid to, to get up in the morning and there might be another one. But I think, you know, if I look at if I look at 2016 when we played AFCON, um, we played Cameroon and Nigeria, 80% of their players were based abroad. Mm-hmm. And as much as people say they don't come together as much as a team, you know, the training that they get every single day is of a very high intensity as well as the games. So, you know, that, that experience, you could see it in their teams. And, and and I'm hoping that, you know, we will bring similar experiences back to Banyana. And in essence, with, with the rest of the players, um, can take Banyana to another level. And is there any move that excites you the most? Is there anybody that probably you thought you didn't see this one coming? I think, you know, for me, um, it's, 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 it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, we've always known that we have talent in the country. Um, I just think the rest of the world needed confirmation. Um, you know, so going to the World Cup and that's the biggest tournament ever, you know. We've been to Olympics, but being at the World Cup is a little bit more exposed, um, you know, and players getting all these opportunities. I mean, look at the Silver Giant at AC Milan, you know. Mm. Lynn has gone to Sweden. 
You know, Spain is, a, is, a, is another league that's it's really evolving. You know, and and for us, you know, those players getting getting signed, it just shows that you know the hard work they put in, but it also shows that we as Banyana on the right track. And on that note, then you mentioned the World Cup, and I wanted to get confirmation from you how big a part of the World Cup was in these moves. Does it then assure you that it was a huge, how how huge a success it was for Banyana Banyana to be at that World Cup? No, most definitely, you know, as I said, players have gone abroad before the World Cup, but, uh, you know, it just exposes you to so much more because now you're playing against the best countries and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a worldwide audience. Um, all the scouts are there and the opportunities, you know, that are coming for our players are second to none. You know, Janine signed now the other day for, for Glasgow City and yeah. apparently it's huge news in Scotland. So, you know, um, each and every player that gets an opportunity to go abroad uh, becomes an ambassador, um, flies the flag and opens up new opportunities uh, for other players to come. And I just think it's exciting. I think the World Cup has really played its part. I mean, in giving players an opportunity, you look at, you know, other teams whose players have moved off to World Cup as well. Um, so it opens up avenues for each and every player. And coach, does it matter which leagues they move to? Some are in lower leagues in Spain, others are in little-known countries in, in Europe or, or countries that might seem little-known but probably have a high football pedigree. Look, you know, we'd like our players to go to the better and the best leagues in the world, but sometimes, you know, uh, especially with our, our ranking as well, um, you know, players get an opportunity to maybe go to a, a, a lower league, but that, those opportunities then open up more opportunities. You know, you look at Leandra went to Gintra, in, and then from there, she got, on, got an opportunity to go to Sweden. Mm. Likewise with Jermaine and, and Otando. You know, they were at Gintra. Jermaine is now playing in Portugal. Notanda has signed for EDF Lagrona, and they were placed seven in the, in the, in the Spanish league. Uh, just before, you know, just before the virus came and that is how, how they ended. So, you know, those those small little uh, um, uh, uh, leagues that they go to uh, might not be as competitive as the others, um, but they get an opportunity. Um, they get to be proper professionals where they train every single day and play um, either once or twice a week. Where That's not happening, uh, you know, at home. Um, you know, with the resources that the teams have at home, they might not be able to train more than three times a week, sometimes two t- twice a week. And all the ask is uh, for our players, you know, to play at, at a high intensity, um, train at a high intensity, intensity consistently, because that is the level, closer to the level where you play international football. And yes, opportunities might be uh, at smaller clubs, but hopefully, you know, through training every day, um, uh, and it might not be the level where we want them to be, but, you know, the opportunities that they get and opens up other doors. Mm. And do some of them consult with you before these moves? Look, they have agents. Um, some will talk about it and, uh, you know, and all I say is, you now do what is best for, for you. Mm. Look at everything, but do what is best for you. Because at the end of the day, you know, the agent should be looking at the best move for them. The agent should be taking care of them. And uh, we're just there to, to lend advice if, if we are asked. We're there to support if we are asked. Um, but ultimately, you know, um, the agents will work with them. Yes, like I said, uh, a few players would come and, and ask advice and then give them the best advice that you can give. And at the end of the day, with all the information that they have, they still have to make the decision along with the agents. And some people might ask, why do they seem to sh- sign short-term deals? Is there any explanation for that? 
Look, you look at some of the leagues. Um, some of the leagues, uh, um, you know, are, are, are finishing off. And maybe that is the reason why some of them uh, signed short-term deals. Or maybe they have something else in the pipeline and using this as a stepping stone, mm. you know. Um, and uh, if you get an opportunity like this and there's poss- a possible stepping stone, then why not? And why not? Because it, it then exposes you to, 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 to the rest of the world. And you're hoping that, you know, you get a, you get a better contract. As I said, uh, Leandra, Jermaine, Notando uh, were at Gintra. And through that, they got better opportunities. But we've also seen, Coach, it doesn't mean that playing overseas is a, is, is, gets you a guaranteed place in the national team. You've been able to give players a fair opportunities, whether they're here at home or whether they are o- o- overseas. What is it that you look for in a player, in a national team player? Look, that is so true. Uh, as you said, you, you, you spoke earlier about, um, you know, the, 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 some of the countries, uh, some of the countries that the players go to, mm-hmm. and some of the, the, you know, might not be, might not be the bigger leagues, um, etc. But you know, we, we have sort of a, 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 you know, a selection criteria, and we, we look at, you know, each, each, and, each and every position, you know, is, is as a different player profile, right? Mm-hmm. And then some of, some of the positions, like for example, a fullback and a winger, has similar because of attack and defense, has similar um, uh, profiles. Now, each each player or each um, position also has uh, certain functions, and we look at all of this how it's performed during the game. On top of that, we also have to look at how um, how they perform technically, how they perform tactically, and also look at physically and mentally. And on top of on top on top of that as well, being a team player for us is is, is key. You know, being mm-hmm. a team player is key. Being hardworking, you know, and then also the right attitude, and then uh, you know the rest is then the rest is then uh, then up to them. So we look at all of those things and we look at how. Uh, how influential it will be in the team. Mm-hmm. And and my motto has always been that, you know, if you raise your hand, we will give you an opportunity. And some players have been in the team, have been out the team, but the door can never be closed. Mm-hmm. Never, ever be closed because, um, you know, opportunities are always there. And if we feel that that is a player that we need at this time, then, you know, we give an opportunity. And as we bring it back closer to home, as we wrap up, Coach Desiree Ellis, what did you make of the inaugural Women's and National League? I know you were, you were watching those games with keen interest, obviously. What was your impression there? Look, in the beginning, in the beginning I was very excited. You know, um, teams played at one venue and the start was really good, you know, especially for the so-called newer clubs on the horizon um, and, the, and the how they own. Um, but then the games got shifted to different venues, and it became challenging to be able to follow players on a regular basis. You know, you would want to monitor the players week in, week out, see how they play against uh, average opposition, good opposition, uh, very good opposition, and see how they attack as individuals. But unfortunately, we would watch a player on the first week and then maybe see that same player four weeks later and maybe the player's performance has dropped and we had no idea. Maybe the player had played, you know, 90 minutes in every game and maybe the player was due for the rest. So we, we had no idea and that was that was very challenging, you know. There was a lot of other challenges as well, you know, with, with referees not pitching up, etc. But I'm sure that, you know, we can learn from all of that and make the next league even better.
you know, or the next uh, one coming up even better. I was very impressed with, uh, you know, Mamalodi Sundowns uh, going through the season unbeaten without losing a game mm-hmm. is no mean feat, eh? I mean, really, it takes time doing so. You know, I'm sure they had a plan and, and every week or so the plan changed and when they saw, you know, they really went for it and I watched them on a couple of occasions and they really had a fantastic mix of, you know, experience and youth. Um, and when you look at the national teams, you know, uh, the national teams, junior and senior, they have a lot of players in there. You know, TUT was impressive with Yulda being one of the or the standout players. Um, Rhoda came along later and, you know, uh, goal-scoring charge. Moko scored a couple of goals. You look at Bungeka in defense. So there were, there were quite a number of players that really stood out. And when you looked at the better teams playing against each other, TUT against Sundowns and UWC, etc., you saw some really, really good football. You know, so if we can uh, keep that level and, and, and be consistent in that level, it will really, really help the national team. And and Rhoda Mulawuti was one of the stars for Sundowns. Uh, would you say her experience of playing overseas actually showed uh, in this National Women's League? Uh, I think most definitely, you know, uh, when Rhoda and, and uh, Rafiwe went to um, Australia, yeah. you know, um, Rhoda had some really good games there. And uh, when Rhoda came back, she was a different player. Um, not just in a play, um, but, you know, the professionalism that, that came from it. And I had a, I had a sat down with her and I listened to everything she said. And, you know, it made her really, um, really grow quickly. Yeah. But I, I think that that also rubbed up on other players. And when she came back, she knew that she couldn't, you know, drop her level. Her level just raised completely. I mean, some of the goals she scored was, was fantastic. And some of the times she'd get two chances and they'd win two no. You know, so she really used the experience that she gained abroad and brought that back and showed, you know, what it is that she learned abroad. And the young talent, you touched on it. Do you think there were enough young players that were given opportunities during this National Women's League? I know we spoke to one of them. I think she was 14 or 15 from Bloemfontein Celtic. Look, uh, there's a lot of young players, um, you know, and I think there's more coming through. But, you know, I was impressed with the young players. They really, really held their own against the more senior opponents. Um, and that obviously well for, for, for the national team. You know, you look at, uh, just to mention, uh, you know, two of them, uh, Karabo and Sibuleli went straight practically from the under-17 World Cup mm. into the senior World Cup and, and sort of held their own. You look at, uh, um, you know, Nokolo, um, one mm. of them, uh, still eligible, all, all of them are still eligible for the under-20. And we brought in some more players um, for the Lesotho game to give them a bit of experience, um, you know, and, 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 and also give them a taste of what it is at a, at a, at a higher level because we have to consistently make sure, you know, that we have this uh, consistent pipeline coming through. And, and we've used Kosafa as a, as a, as a, as a key barometer. We've given players an opportunity um, all, all, all over time. And uh, that has really helped, helped our national team. I mean, it's frightening. I went to the Castle National Champs in, in, in December. Mm. They were 14 and 15 year olds, technically and tactically so good, and holding their own against more um, senior cam- uh, seasoned and senior campaigners. And it's frightening the, the talent we have. I think, uh, you know, there's really a bright future uh, for women's football in the country. Definitely. Sibulelo Holweni, very exciting, as well as Nokolo Kusane that the coach has just mentioned. And as we wrap up now, coach, I know a lot of people are wondering, well, there's been a lot of conversation about PSL teams having to adopt women's team just to improve the, the profile of women's football. Is that a motion that you would support? 
look, I'd be very happy with that. You look at uh, all the leagues around the world. You know, uh, Manchester United was one of the last teams to, to have a team. The same with Real Madrid. Um, you know, and it's really given uh, 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 the, the brand of the league has really improved. And through that, you can gain sponsorship. I mean, who wouldn't want Orlando Pirates or Kaiser Chiefs on board as well? Mm. Because, you know, um, they are brands and they are huge brands um, in, in South African football. But you also don't just want them to bring in a team. You know, you want them to give similar resources that they give to the PSL team because uh, then that will really, really, you know, assist the teams. And it will start raising the level and all the other teams in the leagues will have to raise the level. You look at Bloomfontein Celtic, you look at Mamelodi Sundowns, just, just, just to mention two. Mm. You know, you look at them, they were of, of the top three teams in the, in, in, in the country. Um, during the National League. You look at Brimford and Celtic won the Chester League uh, twice in a row. Um, from Lodi Sundowns has won it on a few occasions. And, you know, the brand that the, brand that the uh, professional or the PSL teams bring, the resources that they bring, uh, is second to none. But like I said, then they've got to put everything into the team, similar resources that they would do to their PSL team to really make it worthwhile. Okay, Coach, thanks for your time. Thanks for being able to speak to us and just talk to us about these moves that we've been seeing over the last few weeks. It augurs well for women's football and hopefully it can continue to arise. And I thank you, Coach. Thank you. I just want to say once again, people must uh, take care. They must be safe, um, wear their mask and, you know, sanitize so uh, we can flatten the curve so we can all go back to doing what we love. Thanks. Thank you, Coach. Keep well. That's Coach Desiree Ellis, the Banyana Banyana coach, always available uh, to speak when she is uh, needed. And uh, she just gave us some insight. Great stuff. Women footballers moving all over Europe, in and out of Europe, some from Albania to Kosovo, some from Portugal to Spain, some are moving to France. It's just beautiful to see. And uh, Janine van Veek is in Scotland. She even started her own club here in South Africa. She's had to leave to go to Scotland to play in the Champions League for, for Glasgow City. And we wish her all the best of luck. And I'm sure there'll be more moves uh, coming through over the next couple of weeks. We're going to stay with football and we're going to talk local football. The PSL returned this past weekend with the Netbank Cup semi-finals. The... Um, APSA Premiership resumes tomorrow. So we're going to look back at those semifinals with uh, our very own here at SABC, Gloria Brown. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Let's look back now at the first weekend back of the PSL since mid-March and we saw the Nightbank Cup semi-finals between Barroca and Celtic as well as uh, Sundowns and Bidvest Vets and there was only one person that we had to bring back on Monday because she called both matches correctly. Gloria Brown joins us on the line. Gloria, good evening and thanks for speaking to us again tonight. Good evening, Taviso, and thank you for having me. Yes, we had you for a reason, Gloria. What did you see that other people couldn't see? Uh, Taviso, uh, it's 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 perhaps um, just just really throwing the bones very right. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing the bones very right, but it was very tight, I must say. Uh, particularly the Sundowns, Bidvest, Bits game. But you, you, you just got to look at the pedigree of the teams um, and also look at the history of the teams uh, from where they left off uh, to where you're hoping they pick up. And also the mental um, influence of a number of issues around the teams and the players uh, during uh, this lockdown, for me, played an important role to kind of swing it in, in the way that that um, it actually went in terms of predicting the scoreline. But 
before yeah. even going there, um, a great show with Des Reales. Thank you. My thank you. captain, my friend. Yes. And I just want to share sentiments. The future of football is feminine. And it's time we stand up. It's time we acknowledge and we respect this game. We are the people at the moment that is turning a depressed nation to really rejoice what women's football is, is doing and what the ladies are doing. Never has there been such a buzz mm. about women's football and a big kudos to them. And we always call them the pride of the nation and for a very good reason too, Gloria Brown. But what do you think, on that note of Banyana, what do you think has been key to this progression of these ladies now to these European teams and also we seeing Banyana Banyana qualifying for a World Cup? Tabisa, there's a lot of things one's got to look at. Um, structure, uh, preparations, determination. You know, you know, women's football has always struggled over the years to to get recognised and 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 to be given uh, the, the the platform to showcase their talent. And I think with structured football, uh, the league that was put in place, girls started playing week in and week out. We started seeing the rise, qualifying for the World Cup. And even though they were eliminated in the first round, the beautiful football that they played. You know, yes, they didn't make it for the Olympics, but still, you know, the quality, and that has been seen around the world. So they normally have to look at the administration of the game. They've got to look at the pillars that contribute towards um, the betterment of the women's game. And it's time people take notice. And you can see the clubs are doing exceptionally well to market their players, to get them to play on the correct playing fields, to make sure they've got the right equipment, to support them in whichever way possible, be it financially and so forth. And, and, and the results are speaking for themselves. Do you also support this notion then that the big clubs like a Kaiser Chiefs or a Lando Pirates need to follow in the footsteps of Sundowns and Bloemfontein Celtic and actually have ladies teams? I know people will say Chiefs had a rugby team before they had a ladies football team. Do you think that it's high time that they just help raise the profile? Perhaps perhaps you're picking up women's football a little bit late. I'll take you some 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 decade ago. Mm. Joe Cosmos, mm. there was ladies teams that were named under respective clubs. Mm. So what two ladies played curtain yes. raises for Kaiser Chiefs many years ago. Mm. Orlando Pirates, there was a ladies team called Orlando Pirates that played curtain raises. There was a team called Jomo Cosmos, a team where Posho Modise started a football career. And there were teams like Morocco Swallows that did exceptionally well. So at that time, the hype of football, the entertainment was there. And those clubs played as curtain raises on a beautiful pitch. And it was unfortunate at that time, uh, we didn't have the professional league. But when I was still a player and Desiree was a player, that was what we were pushing for to say, can each PSL team adopt a ladies team? Sundowns has a team. Bloemfontein Celtic has a team. You're looking in KZN. Amazulu once adopted Durban ladies. Mm. And all of that, the team progressed in the right direction. When you looked at the national team then, majority of the players came from those clubs who were being nurtured and who were really being, 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 being taken care of by those respective clubs. And it's a matter of time because you can enjoy the facilities, you can enjoy the professionalism that comes with it. And again, by association of brand, you can get the best out of people. So I, I'm very much supportive of that, mm. and I wish they could take the call. 
The other common question is how far then is women's football from being professional? I know we saw the first um, inaugural Women's National League last season. It had its own challenges, but uh, the season went on. How far are we or is that a step in the right direction, Gloria Brown? It's a step in the right direction, but I believe that the clubs need to be coached administratively to help in terms of getting the corporate involvement, uh, in terms of sponsorship, because at this present moment, it has been very tight to run only on the budget from the, the, the government. The, 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 and, and, and you're seeing some of the teams travel from uh, northwest on the day to come and play a match on the day. That's a little bit of a demand on the bodies and, and, and expecting to get quality, put football on the day. You, 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 you certainly need a lot more muscle. So the clubs themselves also have got to, 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 to market themselves very well, to bring in as much as they possibly can to help financially. And you, you could then, you've got a product and all you need is the support structure. And there's no doubt about the talent too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's there to be, to be unpacked. I mean, we've got a national team we are proud of that put smiles on the nation uh, in the midst of when Bafana Bafana was going south. Right now, again, we, uh, we, are, we are doing exceptionally well and having uh, uh, girls in France, in Scotland, mm. in Finland, in Kosovo, in Albania, wherever it is in Spain, never has there been such an excitement. Great stuff. Let's bring it back to domestic football, Gloria Brown, because you called both matches and we enjoyed your commentary, yeah. wonderful commentary on both games on Saturday. Maybe let's start with the pitch. What did you make of the pitch? It was a concern for many people. Were you surprised at yeah. the state of the pitch? Oh, yes. Um, I think, uh, again, we've got to look at it and say during lockdown, I don't think uh, people were able to work and ensure that they continued with the maintenance of the pitch and then uh, again, remember that the PSL has been pushing for quite some time. We hear that they're going to start, then they're not going to start, and so forth. So at the end of the day, the readiness of the pitch was certainly a concern. But at some point, you've got to call it and say, let the show begin, because it's going to be equal for every team that participates. Okay. First game, Barroca Celtic. A lot of people were impressed with how smooth Celtic were. I know that's one of the uh, of, of the points that you raised when we spoke to you on Friday that you enjoyed the way they played football. Yeah, correct. Uh, uh, Bloemfontein Celtic for me wasn't going to be a surprise because when you look at John Maduka's involvement with Bloemfontein Celtic, it goes all the way back to 2004 from when he was a player. So if anyone has the DNA of the team, it is John Maduka. And I really got to thank the management of Bloemfontein Celtic to allow him the responsibility and give him the opportunity to take this team to the next level. I think with Siema um, leaving to Chippa United, he was the correct person to take the team forward. And the team that he put forward again on the, on the park was one with experience and one that... Uh, when you look at it, I just picked up two changes, three changes from the previous match that they played against, um, um, I can't remember the team very well, but in their previous Nedbank Cup, there was just three changes in, 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 in that starting lineup. So he, he, he maintained consistency in terms of the presentation of the team. Mm. And we saw a lot of injuries. Was that something that you would have mm-hmm. expected? First came back after four months, obviously. Yes, I think conditioning of the players, overexertion of the players, their physical fitness was questioned, and you can't expect 
It's like a car. You can't just put the key in the ignition and just ride off. You've got to let the engine idle. And the the NetBank Cup is of high intensity. And one would have expected players uh, to really try and do their best, but also manage the game a lot better, manage the personnel a lot better. We see by the PSL allowing the five substitutes to be able to manage those players uh, and, and, and seeing them all go out to a hamstring, it, it wasn't a surprise. It was something we were expecting. But as you also highlighted, that the match was also played at quite a decent pace between mm-hmm. Barocca. They also played some good football. Um, Busan Itani just going down with yeah, the hamstring. And one. you could see it was all in the motion of sprinting down the wings and stuff like that. So um, expectations uh, was certainly that I think they could have been a little bit cautious, but we, we all know and understand that some of the players are playing for new contracts. Um, I mean, if you look at uh, Lucky Beloy, he was just given a two-month um, extension to his contract where one is saying, okay, just finish the season with us. We're going to have a look at you again. But in a situation like that, as Lucky Beloy, we saw the tackle that resulted in the first red card uh, by Ananias um, for that tackle on Lucky Beloy. He's looking and saying, oh, I got to be playing for my contract and here I am going down. So it, it, it was very, very tight. Very, very difficult to navigate, but I think at the end of the day, uh, Bloom Celtic certainly just edged it out a lot uh, uh, um, smarter as well uh, than Barocca did. And how good for you was a Palane? I know he got man of the match, but he was really good oh. in that game. Oh, what a marvel. He, he really dictated tone. He really dictated pace in the midfield. He enjoyed his football, simplified things. But his combination with Lucky Beloy, Lucky does all the hard work and Polane as well, getting involved. But he had Botsane on the right-hand side. You can see the telepathic understanding with Bloemfontein Celtic. And the experience of Ndumiso Mabena was just there. The, 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 other, the other important factor was the fact that the coach substituted at the right time. Uh, bringing in Lechualo, we know he's a goal poacher. And he came in and he just gelled and, 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 and just got the team the insurance goal that they needed. Okay, we've got a caller on the line. I did mention that our WhatsApp voice notes are not working, so but you can call us directly 0891-104-207 or you can SMS us to 41391. We are just looking back at the weekend matches with Gloria Brown. James in Johannesburg, good evening. Evening, evening, member. Yes, go ahead. Mm, uh, I just want to talk about uh, these matches, uh, Sundowns versus uh, Beat West. What a great match it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, when you see a match like that one, you you realize that uh, when fans were complaining what they were complaining for, it was exciting to see it coming back. But I've got uh, a very big concern with the pitch. I think it's very, it's likely that uh, Chiefs playing there will have a lot of injuries and they might as well kiss their chances of winning the league uh, uh, goodbye. There's no chance in that pitch you can be able to 
sustain a performance because they will have to play, I think, maybe three games in the same stadium. It's not going to work. Okay, thanks for that, James. And uh, I know people are saying, yeah, but it was locked down. You couldn't expect the groundsman to be there. But guys, if you look at the pitch at Tux on the Sunday, I mean, it was completely different to what we saw at the Orlando Stadium. And we did put a call through to stadium management to get a comment about the pitch. They can't speak to us tonight, but all they could say was that they're also concerned by the state of the pitch and they might have a report back from us tomorrow. We've also got Cabello on the line. Good evening, Cabello. How are you? Fine, thanks and you, member. Hey, remember, uh, it's heavy hard. What can we say? Rest in peace, uh, Babob, in the other side. Mm. But yeah, remember, on, 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 the, on the football side here, uh, I'm also concerned about the pitch uh, uh, which the Bangladesh uh, announced were playing on with uh, on. It looks like the municipal was not working. It's not working or offices are closed. I, I, I don't understand, but... These guys have been on... on, on it's not working but i get your point you don't understand why the pitch is like that these guys have been on lockdown they should have been working uh yes uh, we're gonna get an answer from stadium management tomorrow so let's wait for that cabello gloria let's get to sundown's vets i mean vets yeah. did not go down without a fight here even coach pizza musimane said he was surprised and they'll be dangerous for the remainder of the season i'm very impressed and uh, my analysis of Bidvestvist is that they are certainly a better team in the second half than they are in the first 45 minutes. And sundowns were shaken uh, by Bidvestvist in the second half. Uh, the defense was in disarray in the second half for Mamelodi Sundowns. And the, the, the uh, Bidvest really striking at the opportune time and putting on the pressure. I think if we had a little bit more time, it was just really unfortunate that um, Benson uh, uh, Mshongo, not Benson Mshongo, uh, the goalkeeper uh, yes. Brighton Mshongo, yes. uh, really struggled on the day, uh, and 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 he really needs to be motivated and picked up, uh, considering he's only had um, until that particular match he had about forty-four minutes under his belt, so. He, 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 it was really an unfortunate and, and, and a real smash and grab for, for Sundowns because at a time when Bidvestvist were piling on the pressure to give away a free kick at that time uh, was, was, was an absolute, an absolute uh, uh, shame because that was the winning goal that um, unfortunately Bidvestvist couldn't really reply because immediately after that, I think it was a few seconds and then the referee blew off his whistle. But what a fantastic game. Mamelodi Sundowns came out all guns blazing. Shompo um, Kekane was another marvel to watch. I was a little bit disappointed, though, with, um, with Avila up front. It looked a bit flat. Um, but then again, to me, I think the changes of uh, uh, taking out Zwane um, really kind of opened it for Bidvis Vitz because we know how dangerous Zwane is on the park. He needs like two players onto him, you know, to try and keep him quiet. The minute they made the changes, Sundowns was there for the taking. Okay, let's take the last one on this. Tando, good evening. Thanks for calling us. Yes, good evening, Tabiso, uh, and uh, to the listeners. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's good, obviously, for the PSL to be back. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation, so it's good actually just to see the, the first few games. Uh, and I happen to obviously watch the evening one. Sundowns uh-huh. versus uh, Vets. You know, uh, yeah, from the footballing side, I think 
you know, uh, it's been a lot, a lot of months, you know, out of action. So I expected in terms of what I was seeing as well. But I must say, I was very impressed with how the team uh, decided to keep the intensity up because I was a bit worried about that most of most of all. Correct. Uh, yeah, obviously not a surprise to see players like Zugamanja. Uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and hopefully he's he's yeah he's fine. He looked uh, he worked off with a hamstring. So, but mm-hmm. the quality mm-hmm. of, of football, I think, from both sides, very professional. You know, uh, they could have obviously left it until you know go to extra time or maybe penalties. Yeah, I gotta uh, agree with you there because a lot of people are not sure what to expect, and some were saying ah the games were not that great. But I disagree. I think the games are much better than you would expect from teams that have been out of action for four months. Gloria, <laughs> the league resumes tomorrow. Sundowns yeah. looking to defend. Chiefs looking for their first league title in five years. How do you see it going? For Sundowns, it's a very, very important game tomorrow. Um, that could bring them very, very close to their title aspirations um, against Orlando Pirates, who themselves uh, are also wanting to ensure that they finish uh, in a very respectable place. Uh, Mamelodi Sundowns, if you look at the bench and the players that they also rested, equally good. Um, in my opinion, I think we're looking at a draw between the two sides, mm. although Sundowns will definitely want full three, uh, the three points. For Kaiser Chiefs, they can't afford to slip up. But then again, we will be hoping that uh, they understand the mandate. They can see the finish line. It's a matter of really putting the right foot forward and navigating the game with, with, with great uh, uh, expectations of the players. And uh, again, they've got to also throw some caution to say the injuries will certainly be a concern because of overexertion and all of that. But Sundowns, Pirates, yeah, I think we'll, we'll, we'll see a draw tomorrow. Great stuff. Love it, Gloria. Looking forward to hearing more of you for the remainder of the season on SABC Sport. Thanks for speaking to us. Thank you for having me, TG. Thanks. That's Gloria Brown there, former goalkeeper, of course, former Banyana Banyana goalkeeper speaking to us. A lot of people are saying, ah, but you can't just play us two minutes of Ernst Middendorp. We haven't heard from this man in a long time. So let's take you then to that interview of Ernst Middendorp. We received it as it is from Kaiser Chiefs and we'll play it like that. He's talking ahead of their game on Wednesday against Pete Vets. Uh, coach, the first question. Um, <coughs> welcome back to football. Thank you. How have you been and uh, how do you feel that uh, football is returning? Yeah, it's um, definitely something what we were all uh, looking for, not only from my side, uh, representing the technical team of Kaiser Chiefs. Um, having a huge task in front of us, uh, we're all aware about it, expectation of uh, each and everybody, stakeholders, uh, fans, uh, and of course, all our players are very, very focused uh, uh, to make it happen to the final of the season. Um, we went uh, into the training session beginning of July, uh, like each and every team. Um, we approached um, our planning, our uh, training uh, periodization in a, in a riskful way. Um, not that we were aware about it, but um, I was hoping um, that the responsibility will come in not to send players into the training 
uh, and after two weeks uh, going into into playing competitive games. Uh, we planned uh, quite uh, gradually build up uh, towards the 14th of August. Uh, I even uh, sent at a certain time uh, when the PSL and uh, each and everybody was requesting a trainings plan I made it even clear that the earliest where we can have shown responsibility for building up our players and uh, not uh, chasing them into riskful moments will be the 14th of August. Um, okay, it's now the 12th of August, uh, it's fine. Um, I think it's, it's a huge compliment to uh, each and everybody who was part of this uh, preparation so far, starting now on Wednesday, the 12th of August, uh, playing against uh, Bidvest um, in the Orlando Stadium at uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, we have uh, each and everybody available um, in terms of uh, <clears throat> the testing, in terms of following the medical uh, protocols, what was requested. I think... Uh, it um, demanded uh, a lot of discipline, a lot of focus from each and everybody. And uh, I'm very happy about uh, getting out of this final testing uh, that everybody is uh, negative uh, tested, uh, being capable to go to the camp. And uh, that's great. And I think that's uh, shown we have done it in a way uh, using the fantastic infrastructure of uh, Naturena. Um, day in, day out. Uh, I think in this entire uh, six weeks we had uh, three or four days off. The rest was absolutely work and being well prepared for this uh, uh, big, big uh, project. Uh, let me take it like this. It starts on the 12th of September and the project has uh, characterized uh, with the finish. Uh, and the finish is on the 5th of September. And of course, all we are aware about it. Uh, we have to fulfill our expectation. But on the other side, um, don't forget about uh, if you love your work, if you love what are you doing, uh, and that is what I have seen the final days now with the players uh, having a good mood, having a good attitude, uh, um, and towards the game. And everybody is waiting for the start on on Wednesday. And then the opposition beat best Reds. Uh, how do you see them coming <coughs> to Orlando on Wednesday? Yeah. I think. Uh, uh, I have seen the game, of course, uh, playing against Sundowns, and uh, I fully support uh, the opinion uh, from from uh, Coach uh, Gavin Hunt, uh, saying um, was a very close one, uh, not really deserved uh, defeat, uh, and I believe they they have shown really a good performance. Uh, and I think the game in total uh, so far, uh, after a long period, uh, uh, had good moments, had good uh, periods. Um, Witz was absolutely challenging uh, uh, for for the next uh, for going to the final. Um, it is too much, and I think we should not get carried away to say, okay, they sold the club and 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 players are less committed. I think the opposite is the case. What I have seen, they want to to finish on the high. They want to show uh, uh, each and everybody uh, doesn't matter if it is a midfielder, a defender, or a striker. Each and everybody wants to show. Um, the value individually wants to show uh, as a team uh, what's possible and uh, looking forward to to sign contract somewhere and i think it's it's a very uh, interesting uh, um, opener uh, for us uh, and we have to be aware and we have to be definitely somehow on our best uh, there's no doubt about it uh, to get through
We discussed it uh, uh, inside the club. Uh, even the player himself was involved, uh, the management, and uh, um, coming to the conclusion. Really, uh, it's a delicate uh, situation. If it would not, if it would have been the new club, would be probably let's say Super Sport or another team, not really competitive uh, with uh, Kaiser Chiefs uh, going to be champion in the end of the season. Uh, I would say it would probably be a different uh, story, but. Uh, here, uh, knowing that uh, uh, the new club is Mamalodi Sundowns, um, it was very clear we have to make a decision. Uh, and I think this decision uh, is uh, on one side uh, painful uh, because he was absolutely one of our core players uh, going uh, in the beginning of the season, uh, building a team with a setup. Uh, um, but um, good, we have options um, inside. We worked on some options, and uh, I'm quite confident that we will uh, get it right. Uh, uh, pairing up the center of the midfield uh, with Vilat Katsande um, as a first choice, and uh, let's see. Uh, we haven't decided in the end. Uh, there are two, three options. We have inside uh, the squad and uh, we will make the decision uh, latest then on Wednesday. Coach, uh, playing without supporters, how is it going to impact your play and how yeah. do you feel about it? Yeah, this is uh, definitely uh, um, something uh, we are not used to. Um, in particular, Kaiser Chiefs, uh, in the history of uh, 50 years, uh, knowing exactly wherever you are going, uh, thousands of uh, supporters, diehard supporters are, are following the team, supporting the team, uh, make the team work in the end of the day. And yeah, it's it's definitely something um, where we we have to, to talk about. And we did it already several times and we will highlight it again, uh, knowing that there are huge, huge uh, expectation and huge support outside uh, in the entire country. And um, I know that everybody will, will uh, hold the thumbs and uh, will make a pray uh, that we are going into the right direction and uh, hopefully we can uh, definitely fulfill the expectation of the huge, huge crowd uh, of Kaiser Chiefs uh, not being allowed in the stadium. But uh, Good. It's it's a protocol, and uh, we have to deal with. Fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, Coach. Yeah. Thank you to the Kaiser Chiefs family for sending us that audio of our Coach Ernst Middendorp there ahead of the resumption of the season.